So Psalm chapter 1, go ahead and turn there. And now, first, actually, just so you can hear this, this is, this is poetry. I will just read it. It's a short psalm. I'll read it in Hebrew, uh, using a modern Hebrew accent, just so you can hear a little bit of the rhythm of the psalm. Then we'll read it in, uh, in English. Uh, but just, just so you can hear kind of the, the flow a little bit. Ashrei ha'ish asher lo halach ba'atzat resha'in. Uvederech hata'im lo amad. Uvmoshav letzim lo yashav. Ki im betorat Adonai heftzo. Uvetorato yehege yomam valayla. Vehaya ke et shatul al palge main. Asher pirio yiten beito. Ve alehu lo yibol. Vehol asher yaase yatsliach. Lochen hareshaim, ki im kamots asher tidfenu ruach. Alken lo yakumu reshaim ba mishpat, vechataim ba adat tzadikim. Ki yodea Adonai, derech tzadikim, vederech reshaim toved. And so even with modern Hebrew, if if you were to do a more full reconstruction of biblical Hebrew, you hear even more rhyming in there. And Hebrew, uh, biblical Hebrew wasn't based just totally on the rhymes. Uh, parallelism uh, is the biggest feature of Hebrew poetry. Uh, but there, there actually is rhyming uh, in word plays and things like that throughout Hebrew poetry. Uh, now I'll read it uh, in English from the, the ESV. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers." The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, uh, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so, as we look at Psalm 1 and 2, uh, they're really the introduction to the entire uh, book of the Psalms, uh, to the entire collection. Uh, the first two Psalms are anonymous. Uh, there's no name attached to them. Don't say if they're written by David or Solomon or Moses. or It, do, it doesn't say. Uh, and right after the first two Psalms, you have uh, the largest collection of Davidic psalms uh, written by David. So just uh, look at this. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There's no name attached to it. And as we come to the end of Psalm 2, 
we'll look at the beginning of Psalm 1, or Psalm, Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Uh, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. There's no name. No name attached to it. Uh, in verse 12, uh, kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. It's also interesting that Psalm 1 and 2, as we'll see, begin and end with a blessing. Uh, there will be judgment uh, as we go through Psalm 1 and come to the end of it. Uh, there will be judgment through Psalm 2, leading right up to back to blessing. A blessing uh, for those who trust in the Lord, whose delight is in his law, his instruction, his word. Uh, and blessing for all who take refuge in him. Uh, among, among the Jews, among his people, uh, the Israelites, but also among the Gentiles, among the, the nations. It's not just judgment for the nations, but there's blessing if they seek refuge in him. But then we come to Psalm 3, and we, we have this little uh, ascription to David. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And then you go into the psalm. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And then you come to Psalm 4. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. And so you have these little attachments about who wrote it, uh, what sort of instruments they're supposed to use with it uh, in, in uh, singing, uh, in worshiping the Lord uh, at, at his temple uh, in Israel when it stood, uh, but then uh, after as well. Psalm 5, to the choir master, uh, for the flutes, a psalm of David. Psalm 6, to the choir master, with stringed instruments, according uh, to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. And then go to Psalm 145. There's a series of psalms by David. Again, and almost the first 40 psalms or so, most of them are by David uh, in, the, in the book of Psalms. And from Psalm 138 through 145, uh, they're all uh, ascribed to David. So Psalm 145, a song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Uh, and that's the last Davidic psalm. So you have this opening block of Davidic psalms, beginning with Psalm 3, uh, and most of them, through the first 30, 40 psalms, most of them, uh, and then you have this final block, Psalm 138 through 145 from David. But then Psalms 146 through 150, the last five psalms, are all anonymous again. Uh, it's kind of interesting, can't really get into it, but the, the creation account is actually arranged in kind of a similar way 
uh, it's just a similar sort of literary pattern uh, where you have these two units at the beginning of creation. Uh, we taught on that long ago. And then you have this five, five, uh, five lines, I guess you could say, uh, on the, the Sabbath day. Uh, and so beginning with two, ending with five uh, to complete the, uh, the whole. Uh, and in Genesis, that's thematic. Seven is the idea of completion, uh, rest, finality. Uh, but Psalm 146, uh, they all begin and end with just one phrase. Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, 150. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Yah, short for Yahweh or Yahweh. So, 146, uh, praise the Lord or hallelujah. Praise Yah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And you come to the end in verse 10. Uh, The Lord will reign uh, forever, your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise Yah. It just goes on and on like that. It's all just a chorus of praise, uh, calling for uh, all of creation to praise the Lord, uh, for all of the nations, all of the peoples, uh, to praise him with lyre, with tambourine, with every kind of instrument, uh, just on and on and on. Uh, And as you come to the end of Psalm 150, praise Yah, praise God in his sanctuary, Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise Yah. Praise Yah. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Praise the Lord. Uh, on and on. And so the, the book of Psalms is going somewhere. It, it's the, the individual Psalms, you can read them individually, but they're all, they're, they're gathered together for a reason. They're gathered together to worship God, uh, to praise God. Uh, and some of the dominant themes throughout it, uh, we'll see uh, in Psalm, Psalm 1 and 2, uh, just beginning there, uh, that the, the first one, is, is blessing and judgment. Who, who is blessed? Who is judged? There, there are two ways. Uh, there's the way of the wicked and there's the way of the righteous. Uh, the way of those who trust in the Lord and the way, way of mockers. Uh, and so who, who, who is blessed? Who, who has blessing? Uh, and Psalm 2 introduces us to, uh, to God's anointed, uh, to God's king that he set on his holy hill uh, Zion, and some of those things will apply throughout Israel's history, and you'll see that with David and with Solomon uh, and throughout the Psalms. But you also see Psalms about the Babylonian captivity and how they have no king on the throne anymore. And so there's the hope of a coming king uh, who will come and fulfill all of God's covenants and promises. Uh, and so uh, those who take refuge in the Lord. Uh, and uh, in his Messiah, who serve his anointed, uh, they, will have, they will have blessing. Uh, and so that sets up the whole book of Psalms, and that comes up again and again. Uh, the, the wicked and the righteous uh, in this struggle throughout, throughout history between God's anointed 
Uh, David, he, he writes many, uh, but then also looking, looking forward and looking to the, to the future. Uh, and who is it who can, who, is it who can worship in God's holy temple? Uh, who is it who can go up to Mount Zion? Uh, this continues throughout the Psalms, uh, and you have the, the Psalms of Ascent uh, coming just, just shortly before uh, David's final Psalms uh, and they're for the pilgrim feasts, uh, going, uh, up to the, going up to the temple to worship the Lord. Who can go up to his temple? Who can dwell in the temple of the Lord? Who can, who can enter into his kingdom? And then ending with a, a chorus of praise at the end of the, of the book of Psalms. So, yeah, Bob. Well, I just, I got, it's kind of a simple question, but it starts with blessings. Okay, the blessing. And I have, I just happen to have a little different translation here, but it says happy. Now, I'm wondering if happy is a legitimate translation uh, or whether maybe it's not the best. Well, I, I think, uh, I think that uh, Bruce Walke uh, talks about that in his commentary on the Psalms, he didn't think happy was quite adequate just because of the struggle with, uh, with the wicked uh, and seeing, seeing the judgment uh, to come uh, and ultimate salvation that we're looking at. And so, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it can kind of be close to well, like the I meaning. Would, I would like agree. It, cover. it seems weak to me. But I, I, I suppose some, some of the things, there, there, it can be a bit incongruous like Jesus with uh, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What? Blessed are those who, who hunger, who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Some of the things, it doesn't sound like they're blessed. Not in this life. Uh, it's the others who, it's, it's uh, those who are cursed who are filled now in this life. Uh, who don't go? Who don't go hungry? Uh, and so there, there, there could be a bit where it's a little incongruous, uh, like I, I just like in Jesus' blessings. Uh, but ultimately, those who trust in the Lord, even if they're persecuted, even if they're naked and hungry, uh, so long as they're they're not just not just physically hungry, but hungry for uh, for righteousness, uh, and. Uh, those who are poor and humble in spirit, uh, they are blessed, uh, and uh, they do have God's blessing uh, in this life, but ultimately in the next. His kingdom is coming. Uh, right now we're surrounded by the, the kingdom of darkness and, and sin and evil, uh, and we suffer uh, from that. Uh, we, we suffer the consequences of sin uh, and wickedness, uh, and uh, the, the adversary, uh, the Satan, Satan, uh, uh, being the ruler of this age, but uh, ultimately those who trust in the Lord, they are blessed. Uh, but no, that's a very good segue, too. Let me give you a definition uh, for esher uh, or ashre in, in plural. And we can even say the, the blessings, it's really an exclamation. Uh, the, the blessings of, let's see, Asher uh, Ha'ish Asher, 
the blessings of the man. Oh, the blessings of the man who? And he'll go on to characterize uh, him. And so it's really, it's an exclamation. It can sound a little weird in, in English to just say, the blessings of the man. What, what does that mean? Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's exclaiming uh, the fortune. Uh, here's a definition from the Semantic Dictionary of Biblical Hebrew. Uh, they have a, let's see, state, uh, a state of being considered fortunate and blessed uh, by God. And then it, it can often be accompanied by an attitude of admiration. So, happy, fortunate, blessed. Uh, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my teachers in seminary said, uh, to be envied. Oh, <laughs> in other words, you'd yeah. be in a state that everybody should desire. It's enviable. Yeah, yeah, enviable. Where that's why there's so much irony in the Beatitudes, because nobody would envy somebody in that state that Je- Jesus is talking about. Mm-hmm. But so the the reality of it is based on their relationship to God. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that everyone who trusts in the Lord and delights in His Word. Uh, we'll, we'll suffer in this life. Uh, and you see, you see David. Well, let's just, <laughs> let's just read the, the first psalm by David, Psalm 3, just so we get a little taste of this. So we go from this blessing uh, that's announced for, for the righteous, right? The righteous are bl- blessed. They will enjoy God's blessing. Now, does it sound like David is enjoying blessing? Uh, A psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. So here's the king fleeing from his son. Uh Uh, Uh-oh. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your prophet, or on your people. Uh, Selah. And so, now he, he is blessed. I mean, it doesn't look like as you start the psalm, uh, he's surrounded by enemies. Uh, this is in the context, uh, according to the ascription, when he fled from Absalom, his son, He's surrounded by foes. Many are rising against me, saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. He doesn't look blessed to them. Looks like they have him. He's doomed. Uh, But yet, in spite of all of this, he declares to the Lord, O Lord, you are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. And that's the turning point. He declares his trust in the Lord. There's a shield about him. His glory, the lifter of his head. He cried aloud to him. 
And he answered me. And that's the turning point where he then says, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people. So he lies down, he sleeps, he woke again for the Lord sustains him. He's not afraid of many thousands of people who set themselves against him because of his confidence in the Lord. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, uh, you break uh, the teeth uh, of the wicked. And in verse 7, Stephen uh, calls him out to save him. He kita et kol oivai lehi. For you, st- you have struck all my enemies on the cheek. Shine rasha'im shibarta. The teeth of the wicked you have broken. And so it's even stated kind of as something that's already, uh, already done. It could be passed, but it's probably his confidence in uh, the guy who defeated his enemies before, but he's going to destroy these ones too. Yeah. We have a question, comment? Right here. What is Selah? How, how to translate it, maybe we can t- talk about that later, but I, I don't know if it has to do with... Um, I think it's a little different than the word like rock, but seems to occur, it's kind of a discourse device where it seems to occur uh, often at breaks uh, within uh, the, uh, the psalm. And so it can be kind of instruction for how to, how to read it. You don't have to read it out loud. I, I did here. Um, but just instructions for breaks within the psalms, uh, that's where it tends to occur. Uh, and so transitions uh, where you come to a new, uh, new section uh, and sometimes maybe, maybe to highlight certain things within uh, the psalm. But there, there's some like notation, just as you see on the beginning, where it says, like, played according to, uh, with stringed instruments uh, that was written for that. Yeah, I heard a musical interlude. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because when, in, in my Bible anyway, it, it references... Only a few other psalms where that is put in there, so it's not a break throughout the book. The book of Psalms. It's only periodically for certain psalms. Yeah, yeah. I forget the exact number of times that it occurs. Actually, it occurs seventy-four times in the Bible. Three times in Habakkuk, and so that'd be 71 times in Psalms. Mm-hmm. I have a question, too, Yeah, on your slide here. You, meant, you mentioned that uh, the Psalms are laid out in parallels, parallelisms, mm-hmm. which I remember learning that in seminary. So would the parallelism here be the sort of an antithetical one where you have the blessing... Um, at verses of the one who is instructed by God mm-hmm. and then the antith- antithesis would be the one who walks in the counsel of the wicked is that yeah, what's going yeah, on? yeah right here so now coming back 
to Psalm 1, we're going to see, we will see God's uh, blessing. Pulling up some of my other notes. We're going to see God's blessing uh, for for the righteous. Uh, And it introduces all the blessings of the man who, and it will characterize him. And then speak uh, about his blessing. And so it will characterize first negatively what he does not do or what he has not done. And then positively what he has done. Now, he could have just gotten right to the main point uh, that he meditates, uh, that his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, And in his law, he meditates day and night. He could just tell us what the blessed man does. But instead, he sets up this contrast about what he does not do, what he does not participate in, uh, the, the ways of the unrighteous. Uh, the ways of sinners. And so there's that, uh, that contrast uh, that's being set up. And that, those negative points, those three negative points that we'll be seeing set apart uh, the, the two positive points that follow. And so it's all, it's all built together describing him, the blessed man who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked. It's, it's describing that Who? It's unpacking it. Who is this? Uh, it's speaking in uh, general, uh, general terms. And so this is, this is a pattern of a believer. Uh, this is a pattern of the righteous. Uh, but as you read through the Psalms, and also, I mean, the, the, Lord, uh, the Lord is the one, who's only, the only one who's ultimately sinless, who, who perfectly delights in the law of the Lord, who perfectly walks in his ways. Uh, you, you see that embodiment of the righteous one. He is the righteous one. He's the eternally righteous one. Uh, it's, his, it's his very law that the psalmist delights in, uh, that's written on the heart. Uh, but it's very important to understand as you read through the Psalms that the righteous one does not necessarily mean the sinless one. Uh, as, you, as you keep reading, uh, that uh, David, for instance, speaks about the righteous one, uh, the, the righteous who admits his sin, admits his hardness of heart toward the Lord, confesses his sin to the Lord, and receives atonement and forgiveness and cleansing of sins. That's the righteous man. Uh, the one who repents and trusts in the Lord, uh, the one whose law is written, uh, God's law is written not just on tablets of stone, but in his heart. Uh, and so in the, even in the Old Covenant, uh, God granted circumcision of hearts. Uh, he circumcised hearts uh, in the Old Covenant. Uh, speaks about that in Deuteronomy. But it was not for everyone in Israel. It was not for everyone who was under uh, the old covenant. Uh, only, only some. And so it was always a mix of people. There was a remnant who trusted the Lord who were under that covenant. But there was only 
a remnant whose hearts had been circumcised by the Lord uh, and whose law was written uh, on their uh, hearts. Uh, And the Old Covenant also uh, provided uh, atonement. Uh, They had the Day of Atonement every year. And God even says, uh, the priest shall make atonement and I will forgive him. He wasn't lying. The priest will make atonement and I will forgive him. And so each year, God forgave sins, but uh, they needed atonement the next year, and the next year, and the next year. So it, it never perfectly, they didn't have a perfect once-for-all sacrifice uh, that perfected the worshiper, that perfected the believers, uh, even though they had this uh, provisional sacrifice, this provisional atonement, uh, something that was uh, temporary, Uh, but not something that was perfecting, not something that was eternal, uh, but temporary uh, until the coming of the new covenant uh, in which God said, I will will write my law on all of their hearts. Uh, Each one shall not say to his neighbor, know the Lord. Uh, They no longer have to tell fellow Israelites, know the Lord. If you have to tell your fellow Israelites, countrymen to know the Lord, what does that mean about them? They don't know the Lord. And so those who are supposed to know the Lord and make him known to the nations, uh, so many of them did not know him. But God says one day they will not say to his neighbor, know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest. And so the new covenant now, the circumcision of the heart, God writing his law in the heart, pouring out his spirit, is now on all of his people. Uh, And now there will be a once-for-all perfect sacrifice. He'll forgive all their iniquity and remember it no more. Yes? Got the mic? Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, this is just a theme. I just want to kind of reinforce what you're saying. And I have a note um, that I wrote long ago. Romans 9, Romans chapter 9 through 11. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, taken a class from a Hebrew scholar long ago, and he mentioned to me that Romans 9 through 11 is Paul's midrash, fancy commentary, on Isaiah 6, 8 through 13. So it's, just, it's exactly what you're saying. In other words, it's the circumcision of the heart idea. It's, uh, it, this is all through the Old Testament, and then Jesus came with the new covenant. So we're seeing it here in these Psalms. I mean, it's just a recurring theme. It's, and that really just emphasizes how true this is, that salvation is through faith alone, you know. And what's written in Romans 9? I'm sorry, what was that? What's written in Romans 9? What, what does he talk about? Well, uh, all I had was a note that I wrote in here. I mean, Romans chapter 9. Oh, I mean, through, what does Paul write, write about in, Rome, in Romans 9? Yeah, uh, he's commenting on Isaiah 6, 8 through 13. And it's about the Israel's rejection of the Christ and how there will be a remnant that will be saved. Yeah, you not, know, not, all not everyone is saved. Israel. Not everyone is part of yeah. the covenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those, those whom God chose, uh, those unworthy sinners on whom uh, God had, had mercy. Yeah, part of a, the reason it says that, I think, 
about you all know the Lord is the terms of entrance is you know the Lord that's how you get in yeah okay and so you don't you're not in by natural generation but by supernatural mm-hmm. regeneration yeah and so if you're regenerated by this which is a parallel idea to the circumcised heart then you're part of it so everybody that gathers under Christ knows the Lord amen amen Actually, let's see. I think is uh, I forgot to write it down. Is it Psalm? There's Psalm 50. Uh, I forgot to write down the, the Psalm where God or where David speaks about repentance. We we can maybe speak about that next week. Psalm yeah, I was looking at Psalm 51 and seeing. This is later one, but the. I think there's an earlier one where he speaks about how he was not repentant to the Lord. Uh, his, his heart was hard. He did not confess to him. He didn't want to go before the Lord. Uh, if anyone finds that, I th- think it might be one, 30. Yeah. Psalm 44, verse uh, 18. Psalm 44. Well, that's later by the uh, sons of Korah. Let's see. I'll look it up later. I forgot to write it down in my notes. So. But then, uh, so back to uh, Psalm 1. Uh, I'll, I'll bring that next week. Uh, it's important to recognize the, that the righteous man uh, is, not the, is not the sinless uh, man. Uh, but uh, the one who repents uh, toward the Lord and trusts in the Lord and, yes, uh, walks in his ways, is taught by God, has his spirit, has his law written on his heart, uh, but also knows God's uh, forgiveness and seeks it when he sins against him and has cleansing. we have any other questions, comments? Yeah. Here we go. Reba. Um, I find verse 3 curious. Um, I've been looking at garden imagery throughout the Bible in um, Genesis and Revelation and actually in Song Hold of Solomon as well. Hold on to that well. thought for okay. a moment. We, we'll come right to that. Okay. So uh, uh, remind me when we get to verse 3. So anyway, that, that's a little uh, roundabout, just, but just to set up the Psalms. This is about the, the blessings of the man, uh, the wicked, the righteous, two ways. Uh, and now uh, we will get into uh, characterizing uh, the blessings of the man who has not, uh, what he does not do, but uh, what, what his delight is in and what he does do uh, by, by contrast. So the blessings of the man who has not. Oh, the blessed... And... Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with this slide. I have a redundant one. Oh, the blessings of the man who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor stood in the path of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers. And now this is speaking uh, in general, uh, general terms. 
Again, it's not speaking about someone who's never sinned uh, necessarily, although the full embodiment of this uh, would be in, in Jesus. I mean, he's the perfectly sinless one. Uh, but we'll see as we come to the end, to the righteous, plural, uh, it's speaking about believers. Uh, they're, they're believers throughout the, uh, the book of Psalms. And now we have these three things. And it's very interesting uh, because as uh, some point, point out, Bruce Walke, uh, Longman, you have this progression from, uh, from the, the wicked, uh, from those who are guilty, uh, is basically uh, what it means. Uh, those who are, who are guilty. To sinners, transgressors. To scoffers or mockers. And there's this progression from bad to worse. Once you get to the mockers, uh, they're the ones who uh, mock God, who uh, do not believe in God, who mock those who believe in God. Uh, their hearts have become so hardened uh, that they mock and ridicule uh, those around them. Uh, and I, I don't want to be anachronistic, but like in our day, you'd maybe think about, I don't want to p- pick on uh, them per se, but some that would be called like the new atheists. Uh, and they're, they're characterized and they wear proudly on their arms uh, as, as, as a badge uh, how bombastic they are in mocking and ridiculing anyone who uh, believes in God. And for many of them, that's really their argument, mockery and ridicule. Uh, and so they, they even sometimes forego, uh, quote-unquote, intellectual argument, humanly speaking, uh, which uh, Scripture would not regard as, as intellectual. To, to deny God, uh, to deny his existence is is not wise but foolish. Um, but uh, they're characterized by their mockery and ridicule and their venom and just being their open detest uh, for those uh, who, especially who are Christians, uh, but for anyone who even believes in uh, the existence of God or a mere intelligent designer, uh, which is falls far, far short of... of what scripture teaches and what God has revealed uh, in his word. Uh, he's not just a mere intelligent designer uh, that you can't, a nameless, faceless, that you can't put a name on. He's the creator of all things who has revealed himself uh, in history through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And so there's this progression from those who are guilty, uh, the wicked, Uh, to sinners, transgressors, who transgress uh, God's law, who transgress what is just, to scoffers, mockers. But then we also have this progression from walking, uh, walking in their counsel, in the counsel of the wicked. Uh, And so their advice, uh, their counsel, uh, that's characterized by the advice or counsel of those who are wicked or guilty. Uh, and if you uh, receive and walk in uh, the, the advice or counsel of the, uh, the wicked, the guilty, 
Well, you yourself will become guilty. You yourself uh, become wicked uh, because you walk in their ways. But then from walking, now uh, the, 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 they're not no longer, and this is denying again, uh, but just stating positively what the, what the wicked do, now they're no longer just walking in the council, but standing in the path of transgressors. You see, they're, they're becoming more fixed along the way. Uh, and uh, Longman was uh, pointing out, like in the Proverbs, that you often uh, have the, the two ways that we'll see here, too, uh, but those who, who uh, don't continue on the path of righteousness, uh, who don't continue to walk in God's way, but go another way, go astray, uh, they don't uh, continue. And so now they're standing, no longer moving in the path of transgressors. And then finally, uh, participating in, in their transgression, finally they're sitting. They're becoming more and more, I guess, comfortable, you could say, uh, more and more set in their ways. Uh, now they're sitting in the seat of scoffers in their company. They're one of them. They're counted among them, among mockers, ridiculers, those who mock and ridicule. So not just guilty, not just walking in the counsel of the guilty and their advice, but then standing in the path of transgressors, sinners, and finally sitting in the seat of uh, mockers, scoffers, as one of them, in fellowship with them, in company with them, participating in their evil deeds uh, against uh, God and uh, the righteous. Do you think there's, uh, maybe it's just accidental, but I think it's probably a meaningful thing that it's warning about this in Psalm 1, but then when Jesus is dying, the scoffers come out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, in a sense, they scoff at the ultimate wisdom of God mm -hmm. and the ultimate righteous one. They scoff and they mock Jesus when he's actually dying potentially for their sins. Amen. Amen. Oh, and that's, uh, that's something you see, the, the suffering of God's prophets, Moses, his prophets, believers, uh, the righteous throughout the scriptures, David in the Psalms. They mock him. They ridicule him. He trusts in God. There's no hope for him. Uh, in Jeremiah, he's mocked and abused by, by the leaders and by the people and the, uh, all around. And so you see Jesus is, is ultimately the one. He, he shares in the sufferings, but he bears the sufferings of his people. He bears their guilt. He bears their shame. He bears their punishment that they deserved uh, upon him. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's an excellent uh, connection. And he is the truly righteous one. And so now there's this, this progression. But this, that's the progression 
for the unrighteous, for the wicked. But oh, the blessings of the man who has not walked in the counsel of the wicked. He has not walked in their advice. He has not walked in their counsel of the guilty. Nor stood in the path of sinners, transgressors. He has not walked in their paths or in their path. Uh, nor sat in the seat of scoffers, mockers. He's, he's not counted among them. He's not in fellowship with them. He's not participating in their mocking and ridicule of the unrighteous and of God. But, by contrast, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And so, why, and this is actually supporting, you, you could say, he does not do these things, who does not do these things, characterizing him, uh, the, the, the blessings uh, of the man who does not do these things, for rather his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so this really, it, it explains why he has not, uh, why he has not walked uh, in, uh, their, uh, in their ways, in their counsel, why he has not stood in their paths, uh, why he has not sat in their uh, seat, the seat of mockers, because his delights in the law of the Lord, uh, the, the word of the Lord. Uh, and now the law, it can have broader ideas of instruction, God's instruction, but God's instruction is authoritative, uh, it's binding, uh, and you actually see uh, Torah in, or Torah, uh, in uh, all the way back to Abraham, and that Abraham walked in God's law or instruction uh, for, for him. Uh, he walked in all his ways, and so he'd be counted among the righteous uh, who trusted in the Lord. If you read the, narr- the, the historical narrative about Abraham, you'll find out he wasn't sinless. He wasn't perfect along the way. She, she's my sister. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, he, he has moments too, but he trusted uh, the Lord. Uh, he, he persevered in faith over the years, and God was faithful uh, to him. And so he's characterized even before the giving of the Torah. He's characterized as by one who kept God's Torah uh, by his grace and who, was, uh, who knew God's forgiveness and knew God's uh, blessing and looked forward to his kingdom and his promises. And so uh, the, the, the law can have a, a broader sense, but we already uh, discussed also that under the old covenant, even, there were those uh, who, who had the Spirit of God, who had circumcised hearts, but it, it wasn't everyone. And they had atonement, but they awaited uh, the perfect once-for-all sacrifice in the, uh, the new covenant. Uh, and so uh, that's the- thematic uh, throughout the Psalms, and in the Psalms it even sp- speaks about uh, those who uh, have God's law written in their, their hearts. And so... It's not merely uh, external, but internal by God's Spirit. 
and in his law he meditates day and night. Um, that last point too, his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's not, it's not something that's just mere rote. Um, it's not just external. Uh, but he, he loves uh, the word of God. He loves his word. Uh, go to, if you have your Bibles, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we'll look at verse 4. And do you know the two greatest command, commandments? We shall see the, the first here, as Jesus says. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, uh, the Lord our God, So, Yahweh our God. Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so just looking at that that first line, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and he is the one who saved them. He is the creator of all things, who saved them and delivered them out of Egypt, as he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's one God and one Lord. He's the only one uh, that they serve and obey uh, as well. And you shall love uh, the Lord your God. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. They're to love love him. And you see the psalmist, that he delights uh, in God's word. And it's it's not just because he, he likes the words on the page, but uh, he delights in the, the giver of those words and whose words they are. Uh, he's known by God, as Bob was talking about. As we come to the end, God knows his ways uh, of the righteous, uh, but not of the wicked, not of the guilty. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. Later, Moses speaks about the circumcision of the heart, how God... Uh, God will circumcise uh, their, uh, their hearts, uh, which happened under, under the Old Covenant. Uh, and there, were, there were these remnants and uh, revival, you could say repentance, uh, that was brought about, uh, but then in the, the promises of the new, which amplify them for, for all the people. Uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. So in your inactivity in the house, in your activity outside the house, walking by the way, sitting, walking, sound familiar? As in the psalm, but not walking in the ways of the wicked. Instead, 
talking about the word of the Lord, teaching them to their children as they sit in their house, as they walk by the way. And, uh, and when you lie down and when you rise. And so when you're going to bed, when you're rising in the morning, morning and evening, day and night, activity, inactivity, uh, God's words are to, uh, and Jesus quotes these, this is the greatest commandment. It's one we want to, to listen to. It's one we want to, uh, to, to hear. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. And then unpacking, speaking his words in your inactivity, in your activity, day and night. Uh, It's to always be on our lips and hearts and minds uh, to inform everything that we we do. Not, Not in a narrow sort of legalistic way uh, as if you'd reprimand someone. Oh, how dare you talk about grocery shopping? You know, uh, I guess you're not as holy as I am. You know, well, you need to shop for groceries and that's, that's a loving thing to do to serve your family. But God's word is to always be on our hearts and minds, to never be far, always be close by, something we're meditating on in our daily activities. Uh, there's nothing that we do in life that's not informed by the Word of God. In the New Testament, in other words, do everything in the law of the second year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just cited the New Testament where the Gospel says, do everything in love for whoever is giving the Gospel at the time. Also, I was wondering what the purpose... You can ignore this if you want, but what's the purpose of the extra mammon yom, yomam? Let's see. Instead of yom, at the end of uh, the psalm, in his law, he meditates day and night. And day, yom, there's an extra am. I think that is used in contexts where it's used, uh, like, daily. Uh, and so it might be more of an adverb, but we can talk about that after, too. I like to double check always. If we were at a break, that looks like your time's about shot yeah. here. Okay, and so uh, meditating uh, upon uh, the word of the Lord in his law, he meditates uh, day and night. And then let me just read through the end. We'll pick it up uh, next week. It's uh, so important that we'll take our time to go through it. And then if we have time to get into Psalm 2, we will do that as well. So blessed is the man who walks, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. So now we go from the, the righteous and uh, what characterizes him, meditating on the word of God, to what he's like and then what the wicked is like. He's like a tree. They're like chaff. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. On and on, characterizing the, the righteous. Now listen to this. The wicked are not so, or not so the wicked. But 
like chaff that the wind drives away. Not like that tree. Uh, the righteous goes on and on. Not so, the, not so the wicked, but like chaff that the wind drives away. That's all. Gone. The space that's given for the wicked there is the same space as chaff being dri driven away uh, by the, the wind. And if you want to see a little preview of next week, let me just scroll to the, scroll to the very end here. He's winnowing. There's the grain falling down. Tosses up the grain with the, the chaff, the bits, dry bits of the, the wheat, the stock, what's left. And it's blown away by the wind. So the righteous. Uh, for the Lord indeed knows. And that's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. Therefore, the wicked will not rise in the judgment, nor in the, the uh, assembly or congregation of the righteous. Uh, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Uh, but the way of the wicked will perish. Okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for your son. Um, it's just uh, it's such a glorious reminder of, of your word, uh, your salvation, your redemption uh, in uh, such an evil age and uh, knowing, knowing our own sin before you, uh, knowing our uh, our own guilt when we, we sin. Um, how wonderful it is to, uh, to know that we have uh, the forgiveness of sins in your Son uh, through, uh, through repentance of faith. Uh, we bring absolutely nothing, just uh, empty hands of faith uh, and uh, receive freely and all by your grace uh, the, uh, the righteousness of your Son uh, and all of your promises and blessings that are only in him. Uh, and uh, you even grant uh, repentance and faith to us, uh, for we would not believe uh, apart, apart from you. And so I'm just grateful for this. I pray that you be with Bob as he preaches. I pray that you make us uh, attentive to your word, uh, that uh, like the words of the, the psalmist, uh, that uh, we would be uh, counted among the, the righteous who... Uh, who delight uh, in your word, who love in your word, and uh, that's not just written uh, on tablets of stone, but uh, that you would write it on our, our very hearts uh, and in our hearts and minds. And so uh, we thank you for these things. We uh, thank you for your son, and we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.